Well, we're going to talk today about freedom in Christ. It's so important that you understand that you as a child of God have already been made free. So you don't, you're not trying to fight or do something for your freedom. You don't fight for your freedom. You fight from your freedom. Okay? You stand and fight from your freedom. You don't fight for victory. You fight from the position of victory. You've already been victorious. When Jesus was on the cross, at, when he... When he released his spirit out of his body, it says in the King James, he gave up the ghost. He, he actually, when, when, when he was finished, that's when he gave up his spirit. You know, death is not a cessation of life. There's, there's not one human being that's ever not alive today, right? We're eternal beings, everyone. God made us eternal. Death in the Bible is denoted by separation. So when Jesus' spirit came out of his physical body, right, he didn't say it's almost finished. Like we still have a part to finish this. No, he said it is finished, right? So if it was finished 2,000 years ago, we need to look at the Bible and, and literally see what God says about that because we've got so many Christians that are looking at outward situations and circumstances. They're looking at how they feel, what they're seeing, what they're hearing, and they are judging whether or not they're free. And, and I'm telling you, the enemy is a master deceiver. But we're going to look at what the word says today, because not only as a country, see, because we're free and because we have authority, do you realize we can, we can literally stand up as the church and go, you know what, Satan, you can't have America, right? We're, we're going we're gonna to bind you, we're going to shut you down. Yeah, we know we're living at the end of the church age. We know he's freaked out because he knows he has a little time left and he gets really loud. But listen, while we're here, he can't have America, right? But he also can't have your life. He can't have your ministry. He can't have your physical body. He can't have your family, your children, right? He can't have your finances. He can't have your purpose or your destiny, right? Because he has been stripped of all power and all authority. And you and I, when Jesus came out of the grave, he said all, all power, all delegated authority in heaven and on this earth has been given to me. And now he said, now you take my name and you go in my name. Where his name is, that's where the power is. Amen? Amen. So let's look at a verse. We've already sang it a little bit. But let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. And we're going to take a look at some scriptures. I feel like a Mount Everest to flow on the inside of me. The Lord told me this morning, you better take your notes because you're, you, it's going to help you stay very focused. <laughs> I don't know what all that means, but you know... Um, I just, I just do what he says. It's, 
following Christ is real simple. What do you want me to do? And then you just do it. But it's so cool because you don't have to do it in your own strength. Like today, I can guarantee you nothing is happening in this room unless the Holy Spirit moves. Right? Here's the cool thing. He always moves. Right? He always moves if you'll allow him to. Do you know he's a gentleman? He is ready to move in your life, in every arena of your life. He is chomping at the bit to move, but he's a gentleman. You have to invite him to move. So we're going to talk about how to do that today as well. It says now, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That, that Greek word is freedom. There is liberty or there is freedom. Where is freedom? Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is. Does the Spirit of the Lord ever leave you? Never. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord, will be with you and will be in you for all eternity. Isn't that amazing? Jesus said, listen, in his word, I'll never leave you, I'll never fail you, I'll never forsake you. So everywhere the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So that literally means that you are filled with freedom. You are surrounded by freedom. Isn't that amazing? I mean, every Every bit of the DNA of who you are is free right now. So many Christians, because they haven't come to the knowledge of the truth, maybe because they haven't heard the word or they're just, they're, they're just saying no to it, whatever, they're trying to beg God to give them something that he already gave them, and that's, that's the only adjustment why they're missing it. The difference between... Walking defeated, I mean, think about that. There, there are Christians, I've done it in my life, where I've walked as the defeated one while all the time I'm the victorious one. Isn't that amazing? So let's look at this a little bit. Go to John, John, the Gospel of John chapter 8, verse 31. Look at what Jesus said. So now, to give you an idea, in John chapter 1, while you're turning to John chapter 8, the Word of God tells us in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. The etern Jesus' eternal name is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In other words, you can never separate God from His Word. Then down in verse 14, just to bring clarity, it says, and the word, it, in the Greek language, took upon himself flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we beheld, that's talking about Jesus, and we beheld his glory. It was the glory as of the only begotten son, full of grace and full of truth. Jesus is the word. So now here is the word Talking to people in John chapter 8. 
And look at what he says. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. So he's teaching, there's people that are believing on him, and he says this to those that believe. Right? He says, if. In other words, the choice is yours. If you'll notice the way God operates in your life, he always invites, but he never forces. He said, if you will continue in my word, if you'll continue in my word, you could say it this way, if you'll continue in the truth or in my truth, well, why can we say that? Well, John 17, 17 says, sanctify them with your truth because your word is truth. Isn't it amazing? I mean, even back when I went to college, you know, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth in Southern California, you know, I was at, I was at this college, they were talking about secular humanism and it was all about Truth is whatever you think it is, but that's not true. Truth is not of this world. Truth comes from God. Everything else is facts. And notice the Holy Spirit of God, when he sent him, he said, listen, when he, the spirit of facts has come, he will guide you into all the facts. No, he didn't say that, did he? He said he's the spirit of truth. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all the truth. Listen, don't judge your life by the facts. The truth of God's word will change facts. Facts can't compare to truth. So Jesus said this, if you continue, this means if you will remain, if you will abide, and this Greek word even has in it, if you will endure. Why do you have to endure? Well, because something's going to try to get you away. Somebody's going to try to let you go. Satan's going to throw thoughts. He's going to create circumstances. He's going to use people to try to let you, get you to let go of the truth. But if you will continue in the truth, Jesus said, you move from being just a believer to being a disciple, a follower right? And that's the goal. It's interesting. Everybody runs around saying, yeah, I'm a Christian. Wear a big gold chain around their neck with a cross. I'm a Christian. Or, you know, I'm a Christian because I grew up in church. But you know, in the early church, there was a progression. A believer was somebody that just accepted Christ they just accepted, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They just got baptized, right? They're just born again. They're baby Christians. The goal was to get them to continue in the word so that the word would start producing the life of God in them and grow their spirit and renew their mind so they start walking in this truth, they start walking and freedom starts manifesting. That's a disciple where the word is, you're seeing results on the outside. 
And then as a disciple walked, in the early church, this was their mentality. If a disciple walked and followed God and continued in the word, meditating day and night, what would start to happen is they would start to do the works of Jesus. And as they were literally laying hands on the sick and they were doing the works of Jesus in their life, they would look at themselves and go, okay, I'm a Christian, Christ-like. See how we've kind of watered all this down? Well, guess what? We're getting saturated again. And we're going to come back. The church is going to finish strong. Stronger even than the early church. Think about the early church. All they knew is they had the name. They didn't know much about it, but they knew they had the name. Right? We have 2,000 years of revelation knowledge of the word of God. Isn't that amazing? If you continue in my word, or if you continue in my truth, look at what it says, then are you my disciples indeed. And it says now, verse, next verse, verse 32, and you will know the truth, or you will know the word, or you will know Jesus. Now this word know is the word genosco. It means, it was a Jewish idiom word in the time of Jesus. It literally meant to know so intimately, it was the, it was the Jewish idiom word for sexual intercourse between a man and a woman. But literally, Jesus is saying, I want to know you so intimately that I'm conceiving things in you and I'm birthing things out of you. You will know the truth. I know Jesus. I know the truth. I know his word. It's it's not just a principle. It's not something that I just can quote. I know him. It's not just about knowing I mean, you could know all about this, but if you don't know the author, wow, please don't talk to me, right? I'm not going to listen to your teaching. Have you ever heard it? It usually sounds like this. You need to get your life together. Come on, what's wrong with you? It's filled with guilt, shame, and condemnation. But Jesus, there's no guilt, there's no shame, there's no condemnation. He meets you right where you are. And then he starts lifting you up to his level. If you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you will intimately know and experience my word or my truth. And my truth or my word will not set you free, it will make you free. Make you free. Down, if you look at this, Just looking at these two verses only, it tells you very clearly, you will only know what you live. Right? You, You just don't know what you study. You know what you live. Sitting on the sideline, doing nothing, you're not gonna know. But if you will start getting involved, you'll never know God as your provider until you start moving and sowing. I could bring people up here that, that would tell you, and usually it would be anybody who's been tithing 
you know, if you study out where, where God, it's the only time God says, you could test me. He said this to his Old Testament servants, right? The children of Israel goes, listen, test me. Could you imagine that? Because this area is so important. He goes, listen, test me. See if, you, if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that there's not even room to receive because it's so much more than money. But so, so people in our, in our society, we're so instant. Okay, well, I tithed on Sunday. God, why haven't you eradicated my $75,000 worth of credit card debt by Monday? Come on, I, I obeyed you. But the test... It's three years. It is very rare if you see somebody honor God in their finances for three years, this is what happens to you. You realize everything is his and I'm a steward of all this and, and it's so good. Like Pastor Dave saying, he'll meet your needs at court. Well, the word says, but Pastor Dave quoted this scripture He'll meet your needs according to his riches and glory. Think about that. Well, you know, you need a road to get home. Well, uh, what kind of roads does he have in heaven? They're gold. Like one gate in the New Jerusalem is one pearl. That's crazy. Could you imagine the shell? Could you imagine the angel? Hey, go get that. Go get that. We've been, we've been growing this for about two billion years here, right? That's a big angel. According to his riches and glory. See, you could, I could bring people up here who've honored God in their life. Three years or more, and they're like, yeah, breathing's optional. Living in a house is optional. Driving a car's optional. Eating. But are you kidding me? Tithes and offerings, that's not optional, right? But trust me, those people are not doing bad, right? In every case where I've seen people that have tithed and then they stop, it's because events happen in their life and over a long period of time, they look at wrong things, And finally, they let go. But it takes a long time. It's the same in every area. If you continue in my word, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So let's keep going now. Here's the progression. This is how you walk by faith. This is the only way you progress in life. You could say, well, pastor, I just got a promotion on my job. Uh, Yeah, okay. Well, you could be missing everything and get a promotion in your job. We're we're not talking short term here. We're talking about really progressing in the plan of God. It's real simple. You put God's word first place in your life. You have to make this decision. And you become a doer of his word. What happens when you do that is he reveals himself. He reveals something about himself. And then you progress. And then you keep his word first place. He reveals something else about himself. And you progress. The reason why is the plan that God has for you is so great, you can't see it. Right? And it's very important during these times, guys, that we walk this out. Because, man, you could be doing really good for 30 years, and then all of a sudden the world system wipes you out. 
right? Because the whole world system's designed to create fear and unbelief. But God, he wants you to live in this world as a beacon of freedom, as a beacon of light. He wants you to live at rest, at peace, abundantly provided for. That's what he wants. And if you have things in your life right now that is not abundant, if you have symptoms in your body, that's not God's will. If you have any lack in your life, that's not God's will. If when Pastor Dave received the offering today, you were unable to put anything in it because, man, I make this much and my bills are right here, that's not God's will for your life. And he is already, not going to, he's already provided for all that. It says in John chapter 8, if you go down to verse 36, it says this, if the Son, therefore, shall make you free. Do you see the change? If you can, verse 31, if you continue in my word, you're my disciples. And then you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Now in, in, in verse 36, it switches because it's the same thing. If the Son, right, therefore shall make you free, or you could say this, if the truth shall make you free, or you could say it this way, if the word shall make you free. You just said the same thing, right? If you look at your Bible, there's words on there. That is the logos of God. It's the written word of God. But when I start saying I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's not the written word, that's the spoken word, the rhema word. And it all reveals the living word who is Jesus. He is the word of God. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So how many of you have accepted Christ and he's your Lord? Let me see your hands. All right? So if you were able to raise your hand, not everybody raised their hand. Some that were born again didn't raise their hand. Why? Because it's not alive in them. Pastor, don't say that. That's hard. No, that's not hard. You're just carnal, so it pricks you a little bit. What's hard is when you live defeated and you don't walk out God's plan for your life and you're moved by this nonsense in the world instead of moving the nonsense in the world. That's what's hard. Well, pastor, I don't like that. Well, okay. I mean, I really want you to love me. I kind of live in a world that if somebody doesn't love me, I think that they just need more information. So, you know, it's, it's all good. And, you know, it's all good. But, man, let the word of God help you. Right? We're going we're gonna to preach the word of God. Because the word will make you free. What I'm saying is the son has made you free. You are made free. Now, how, you're already made free on the inside, right? When you received Christ and were born again, your spirit was given everything, and your spirit is on the inside of you, but here is the issue. Your soulish realm, 
your mind, your will, and your emotions is the control center. And your flesh, we haven't got our glorified bodies yet, so we still have that old nature in it that's always trying, it's always pulling our mind to try to get us to side. If you're sitting here today and I'm like, yeah, man, this is, will you hurry up and get done? Because, you know, I came here to punch the time card to feel better about myself, but I'm really wanting to go to breakfast right now. You know, first watch is sounding good and, you know, and all this stuff, right? I'm just messing with you. But, but it's only because you haven't been feeding because he's irresistible. And you're made, you're made to be on fire for the Lord. So John chapter 8 is telling you how to go from the position of freedom, the positional truth of freedom. You were made free. He's telling us how to go in and walk that out outwardly, temporally. The temporal truth of in my lifestyle, I'm walking this out. I must continue in the word of God so that revelation could come of his word and I could know it. Or I should say this, so that I could know him intimately. So that I could outwardly, in every arena of my life, walk in the freedom that Christ has given me. No more bondage, no more addictions, no more depression, no more anxiety. And here's the good news, you don't have to, get, you, you don't have to do something to overcome it other than continue in his word. The word will free you from everything. The word does the work. It's the word that heals your body. It's the word that's going to bring your kids back if they're not serving God. Right? It's the word that's going to take away and completely destroy all these detrimental thought processes that create addictions and depression and all this stuff. It's the word that does the work. So now let's go into 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in verse 57. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. I hope this really helps you today. Because you're free. You might be sitting there going, man, I've just messed this whole thing up. You haven't. No, no, but pastor, you don't understand. I'm not a doer of the word. I've been living my own life. I'm actually mad at God, right? As I'm saying some of these things, there's either people watching online or people sitting here. That's where you're at. God would say to you today, you're not a mess. Don't buy all those lies of what your behavior or what your life looks like. I am God and I've made you and I've provided who you are. And if you'll trust me, I'll walk you into all of it. And you'll realize, oh my goodness, this bound me for years and now I'm free and it was never, I was always free. I just didn't know. It's the way it works, guys. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, it says, But thanks be unto God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us the victory. This is real interesting. This word give in the Greek, didomai, this is deep. It means give. It means he causes to happen. 
It means he adds it. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now what's really interesting about this word, this verb tense here, gives. It's not past tense, it's only present tense and future tense. This is speaking about present victories and future victories. It's, God, it's God's word coming to you right today and saying, listen, you have to realize that from right now forever, I have given you the victory. And it comes through Christ. Why does it come through Christ? Because when did he pay for it? When did he seal it? 2,000 years ago. Isn't that amazing? 2,000 years ago, he took care of every battle you will ever face. He gives you the victory. Wow. Right? Our, our friend, Sterling, Pastor Sterling, you know, he's a dear friend of mine. His son just signed with the Houston Rockets. You know, he won three national titles. Man, they would have won four, but COVID hit, so they didn't have an NCAA tournament. But they were named the unanimous number one team. He's broke every record, but he had to work thousands of hours to hold up this trophy that I'm a national champion. You don't have to work thousands of hours to get victory. Because Jesus already gave you victory. He fought the battle. Stop fighting the battle. Right? Notice it says, thanks be unto God. Thanksgiving is tied to victory. You can thank your way out of any problem and into victory that you have not, that even, even those things you haven't seen yet. If you're in a problem right now, you could thank your way out of it into the victory that God's already given you. Thanksgiving is the road out. And see, you can't fake Thanksgiving, right? Have you ever, have you ever uh, is, there's like a laundry detergent called Shout. Have you ever seen that commercial? You gotta shout it out. You shout this stuff out of your life. We're going to see that victory has a voice. Triumph has a voice. Your life. I'll just, I'll just, we were talking with the men on the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus has the ingredients in it that changes everything. Everything about your life. It, it has the ingredients of boldness, of overflow, of victory, of rest. You're not fighting for the victory, you're fighting from the victory. So now you're in 1 Corinthians 15 57. Jump over to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 in verse 14. Because there's something that comes after victory, 
and it's called the triumph. This term in, in, in Rome was used this way. If a commander would go fight a battle, he would only get a triumph when he came home if he had conquered the enemy, if he had expanded the territory of the Roman, uh, Roman uh, Empire, and, and, he, and if he's taken everything captive. Then when he came home, they would have a parade, a triumph, they would call it. The party after the victory. That was triumph. No victory, no triumph. Right? The celebration. Look at what it says here. Now thanks be unto God, which always, always. Does that mean that there's ever a time when he does not give you this? Wow. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory. Present and future tense. This one's present and future tense too. It's not past tense. It's real interesting. Very unique word. Which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Everything is locked up in Christ. And makes manifest... Or in other words, manifest. What does manifest mean? Something you can't see is made seen. He manifests the savor, or this, this Greek word means the fragrance of his knowledge by us in every place. You know, if you live in Southern California, it's kind of an unwritten law. You really need to go up to Pasadena. One New Year's Day, it's brutal, and go to the Rose Parade. Now, I, I happened to know a guy that owned a Jeep dealership at the time. So literally, we had, it was such a blessing. It's the craziest thing when you go to the Rose, the, the Rose Parade. The night before, it's freezing. And you'll see people just lined up all night long. They just stay there in, in, in their seats on the parade route. They sleep there. And it's usually really cold, but then the next day, it's just gorgeous right? But we got to sleep at a Jeep dealership. That was awesome, right? I mean, I never enjoyed a warm, hard floor in a dealership so much in my life, but it was great. You know, we would take turns just saving our seats out there. But the Rose Parade, it's all, it's all flowers. So the fragrance is amazing. It fills everything. Do you know that as you walk in triumph, there's a fragrance to it. A fragrance affects everybody that's there. Your kids that are not serving God need to smell the fragrance of what it means to, to walk with the Lord. People at your work, people that you come in, all your fruit needs to smell the fragrance. What is the fragrance? of his knowledge by us in every place. That fragrance is like, I love you. That fragrance is like, I'm your answer. I'm your deliverance. I'm your healer. I'm your provider. Wow. Victory, in other words. Triumph. 
they have a fragrance and they're all tied. Notice it says, now thanks be unto God. Victory and triumph are tied to thanksgiving. You thank your way out of one situation into another. Why? Because it's already done. Thanksgiving is how you increase your capacity to receive from God. Thanksgiving literally puts in motion everything that connects you to your victory. It puts things in motion. He inhabits the praise of his people. It's just, it all works together. And Thanksgiving, we're not talking about something natural here. We're talking about something that's flowing out of a revelation knowledge that, wow, I already have the victory. I'm not trying to get it. I already have it. I'm not trying to get healed. I already am the healed, and now this sickness has to leave my body. I'm not trying to get and be successful. I've already been made successful, so now everything in my life has to come in line with that. Right? Thanking God for what is to come connects us to victory and triumph. This is such a, such a massive principle because you've been made free and now we're talking about how you walk that out. That's why Satan... See, if you look at a lot of animals, I'm not a hunter. You know, I had a BB gun when I was a kid. And I killed a bird, and I felt bad for about a week. You know, I'm just like, oh, that little, tiny, cute little bird, I just blew it away, right, you know? And so I'm just not a hunter. You know, one pastor who visited our church says, I'm not really a man, because I, you know, I, I didn't shoot a gun or eat raw. Like, they, they pull a shell off on the half shell. Oh. That's, that's like even beyond a Brussels sprout there. That's just, that's crazy. I'm not eating anything that could climb back up, okay? You know, no, 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 no. I'm just not doing it. I hope I didn't spoil that for any of you all right now, right? You're all sitting there going, okay, we could stay in church a little bit longer now. I am no longer thinking about eggs and bacon and all that stuff, right? Wow, how did I get off on that? Ah, oh, the foolishness of preaching. People get free with some of this stuff. I don't know. You know, I don't even know why I said that. I'll come back to it. I want you to see Psalm 47.1. Wow. Psalm 47.1 gives us a real clear, real clear picture. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Look at what it says. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Did you know triumph has a voice? It has a voice. Yeah, but that's not my personality, Pastor. No, 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 it actually is. It's just, it's just, it's just buried right now. But when you become, when you walk in a revelation that, wow, Everything I'll ever face in life, I already have the victory and I already have been given the triumph because of what Jesus did for me. And he's going to work it out. So the reason why I mentioned the gun thing is if I don't really study hunting, but if you do, there's different calls 
that will be that that people hunters will call they'll make a noise and it will draw what they want to shoot in right so like a like a coyote is an example the call it sounds like a wounded rabbit right there's different calls sometimes these calls they sound like something wounded and it draws like a coyote as an example it'll draw the coyote because he, he's thinking i want to eat rabbit today spiritually this is huge because if you make sounds like you are wounded it will draw the one who is walking around seeking whom he may devour. He starts to hear. In other words, you get wine in your mouth. And I'm not talking about the liquid. I'm talking about whining. Satan will throw thoughts to see where you are. But if you've got a voice of triumph... Guess what it attracts? Remember how I said Thanksgiving connects you to everything that will bring your miracle. It attracts the angels of God that have been sent forth to minister for you. It sends them out. The voice of triumph. Father, I thank you and I declare right in the middle of all kinds of symptoms, bad diagnosis, I stand up and I declare, or if I'm bed fast, I raise my hands, or I get a couple brothers and say, okay, guys, raise my hands, right? And I start thanking God that I'm healed. I start thanking God when I'm weak that I'm strong. I start thanking God when I'm in lack that I'm prospering. I get this whine out of my voice, this complaining, this, you know, talking about my problems. Faith never talks about problems. It talks to the mountain, right? So let's keep going here. Psalm 47, 1, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Look at what's happened. How, what happened to cause us to be free? Go to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. I love these verses. I can't seem to get away from them. Colossians 1.13, it says this, who hath, past tense, delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. This is something that's happened in the past. Who hath delivered us. This is in the Greek aorist tense. Don't try to remember that, but this is what that means. This was a one-time event. It happened once and for all. So you could read this literally, who hath once and for all delivered me from the delegated influence, that's that word power, the delegated influence of darkness and has transferred me into the kingdom of his dear son. Wow. Totally removed from the kingdom of darkness, now in the kingdom of God. Every person who raised your hands and said, I'm a believer, you are not under the delegated influence of darkness. But see, 
see how it is? The word tells you you're not under it. But have you ever felt under it? Has it ever even looked like you were under the delegated influence of darkness? Absolutely. But you're not. The truth is you're in the kingdom of God where God's rule is sovereign. Do you know there's no lack in the kingdom of God? So if you'll believe that and act on it, it will drive all lack out because it has no power to keep lack in your life. There's no power to keep sickness and disease in your body because you've been removed from that. Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law, Galatians 3, 13 says. He took your place. Colossians chapter 2, in this letter, let's go to chapter 2, verse 10. Look at what this says. It says, and you are, are. So what it's going to tell you that you are, what this Greek word means is, you are and you'll never get any more. In other words, you got it all right when Christ paid for it. It says, and you are complete. Wow. This is the Greek word pleiro. It means you're made full. Made, it doesn't mean you're, it doesn't mean you're just kind of filled a little bit. No, it, said, it says there was an event because of what Jesus did, because of his finished work of redemption, which you received when you received Christ, it says you were made once and for all full in him. See, when we talk about being the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's, it says be being filled. It's, it's a one-time event that you receive it, and then there's many fillings that you just continually walk in. But when you got born again, you were completely made full. You know, you're full of God. That, that'll, that'll stir up some religious cobwebs, right? But this is what God says. And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. This word power means excusia. He is the head of all principality and authority. And you're complete in him. So what's, what's Paul doing here in this verse? This was worth brushing your teeth and coming to church this morning. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, I'm dead serious. I'm alive serious, right? <laughs> Zoe live serious. <clears throat> Paul is making a comparison here. In other words, he's making a comparison in the same way that he said Jesus had the fullness of God in him. Likewise, you and I have the fullness of Christ in us. You got to know that. There is no, once you start looking at what the word says, the thought of you're not free sounds ridiculous. But the enemy is ridiculous. This guy could sell ice to Eskimos, right? 
Our born-again spirit is identical in righteousness, in authority, in power, identical to Christ's spirit. Now, we're not, we're not the head of the church. We're not Jesus, right? Okay, we're not Mormons. We're not gods. We're his kids. But we're, our spirit is identical in righteousness. He was made to be sin so that I would be made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. In authority, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Now you go in my name. All the authority of God is in that name. Wow. All the power. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. All of it is identical to Christ's spirit because our born-again spirit is literally saturated with the spirit of Christ. He'll never leave you. This is why it says in Romans 8, 9, what does it mean to be in Christ? Romans 8, 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man not have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. But if you're born again, you've been given that. He, that's who you are. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 6 says this, And because you are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts and that spirit of his son causes you to cry Abba, Father. Da Abba, Daddy. He's my father. He's my daddy. He loves me. Positionally, we are complete in him. Recognition of our completeness in Christ is a complete safeguard against the enemy's deception. you got to get this. When you have revelation knowledge and recognize that I'm complete in Christ, that will enable you to walk free from the enemy's deception. That you're addicted to this, you're a loser, you're never going to amount to anything, this is never going to change, you're going to die and not live I mean, all that deception of the enemy goes away when you realize and have a revelation, oh my gosh, I'm complete. As Jesus said, he had the fullness of his Father, the fullness of the Spirit of God. I've got the fullness of Jesus in me. Wow. Total satisfaction with Christ disarms Satan's lies. When you're not satisfied in Christ and with Christ because you don't see what you've been given, it actually, it's like it arms Satan's lies. And, and these weapons that have no place, that they are never to work against you, will work because of where you are. But here's the thing, if you're there today, just change your mind. Victory is already yours. 
Man, I love that. A full revelation of our completeness in Christ will keep us from chasing after the things that Satan offers us in this world system. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. I just don't have time to serve God. I just got to take care of this and then I'll, I'll do this later. Well, what, what is that? You don't have a revelation of who you are. You still think you're on this earth for you. You're not here for you. Now, God wants to bless you because he, Jesus came to give you Zoe life. So in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, you're to have the very life and essence of God, the quality of life that he has. But why? So that you could be the accurate light in the world and yield all your fruit. That's why we're here. Otherwise, we'd get saved. He'd just take us out. Now, our hunger should only be for more revelation of what we already have in Christ. I'm telling you, this thing is so good, this is, this is how I live my life. What do I desire? More of a revelation. More of a revelation of what he has given me in Christ. Because every part of that revelation drips with the revelation that he just loves me so much. Verse, so you ready to go to verse 11 now? That was kind of a good verse, huh? Wow. Now look at verse 11. It keeps building. It says, in whom, or in Christ, also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Oh, what? Do you mean now that I'm in Christ, he has literally circumcised me so that now this nature in my flesh to desire to want to sin and go a wrong way, I have complete dominion over it. I've been circumcised of that. Do you know your spirit, man, who's born again, has never desired to sin? Not once. The only reason why you sin is because you don't put the word first and you're not renewing your mind, so you've got an unrenewed mind that sides with an out-of-control flesh. Your flesh is always going to be out of control. That's how come you have to control it. And it takes your spirit captive. But listen, when you realize, wait a minute, a circumcision happened to me. And although I'm living in the flesh, I live by the faith of God that saved me. The guy who, the one who loves me and gave himself for me. Now, what? I've been crucified with Christ, buried with him in baptism. I've been raised to a new life. I'm a brand new creature in Christ Old things have passed away. Behold, everything is made new. And now the Bible says sin, I'm actually dead to sin. Could a corpse, when you go to a funeral and you look at that corpse in a, in a casket, could it possibly sin? Man, couldn't, couldn't gossip, couldn't judge anybody couldn't tell a lie, even if, even if it wanted to. Why? Because it's dead. 
Your spirit is dead to sin and alive to God. You've been circumcised. It's a circumcision of the heart. Wow, that's good news. But doesn't it feel like that, man, pastor, I know what you're saying, but it feels like sin is always pulling me. It's pulling your mind. It's not pulling your spirit. And if you'll feed your spirit, your spirit will develop and your mind will get renewed and you'll be able, those things that ate your lunch before, eventually they won't eat your lunch. I mean, this is so big. Verse 12, look at this. Wow. Let me read verse 11 again. In whom also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Aren't you guys glad that you read that so many times? And you're like, wow, now I understand what it, what, what it actually meant. In putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism. Now this is in the aorist tense also. It's a past participle. You could read it like this. Having been once and for all buried with him. Wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. Who hath raised him from the dead. In other words, when he raised Jesus... He raised you and I. You're no longer spiritually dead. It says, verse 13, and you, this is talking about, and you, this actually, this word you, it seems singular, but in the Greek, it's, it's plural. So it's southern, and you all. <laughs> y'all, y'all, there we go, get it right, pastor, right? And y'all, that means all believers, that means every believer, those believers that last night went to the bar, got drunk, hooked up, went to bed, slept with a woman, committed all kinds of stuff, kicked the dog when they got up this morning, all of them, that, that believer in reality is dead. In your, so, so and you, that means all of us, all of us, before we knew Christ, were dead. All of us. We were dead what? In your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. But all believers have been quickened. This word quickened means have been given life together with him. Wow. Having forgiven all your trespasses. I love this word forgiven because it's the Greek word. It comes from the word charis. It's charizomai. It literally means you've been, you've been graced. Wait a minute. Well, I've been forgiven. Yeah, same thing. You've been graced. So now this Christian who's out there blowing it, guess what? He was still buried with Christ. He was still made alive. Actually, he's still alive on the inside. And if he will come to a decision to start putting the word first, what will happen is when he decides to put the word first and starts to be a doer of the word, 
revelation of who Jesus is comes and he progresses and he walks out. See, our behavior flows out of righteousness. So if you don't know you've been made righteous or if you don't have a revelation of that, you will just live like the world. And all of a sudden, the, the wages of sin starts blowing up in your life. And if that's you today, here's the good news. Just change your mind. Just go, you know what? I am tired of living this way. And know this, that God has a higher way where now you walk in victory and in triumph because he's already given it to you. And here is how, this is how minimal the change is. You're walking this way, totally blowing it. Totally in the perfect will of God. It's just one moment change. And God will start walking you out of all the junk. He'll fix all the mess. If, if you killed stuff, he'll bring it back to life. That's who God is. Wow. Verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinance that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it. It's the Greek word arrow. He took all the sin, all the stuff that was logged in all the books of all the things you did wrong, he arrowed it. That means he removed it permanently out of the way, nailing it to his cross. All of Romans says the same thing. All of your sin was condemned once and for all, can never be brought back again, was condemned once and for all in the body of Jesus on the cross. Wow. And having spoiled, now, now look at this. This is talking about what happened. And having spoiled... Spoiled who? Principalities and powers. That's Satan and the whole satanic hierarchy. He spoiled them. What does that mean? He disarmed them and threw away the weapons. That's how come, and it even says in Isaiah 54, no weapon that is formed against you. Why? Because he has no weapons. He's got to form it. But none of it will prosper because you're righteous. Because he's already given you the victory. This, this works all over the book. Oh, what would happen to you if you listened to this message 20 times? You'd be a fanatic. Man. I mean, you've got people going to a baseball game or a basketball game. or a, I mean, here we're going to come into football season soon. And, you know, people paint themselves, I hope not too soon, because that means winter's coming. But, you know, I mean, you've got people painting themselves red when it's 10 degrees outside with physical bodies that should not be uncovered. <laughs> Screaming. Right? I mean, it's just, and, and yet people, people come to church and somebody does this and they're like, oh, that's really weird. Are you kidding me? Man. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, look at this, triumphing over them in it. That's a little vague in the King James. This phrase, in it, in the, in the Greek language would mean triumphing over them through him. Satan never wants you to know how defeated he is. Yes. Yes. 
He never wants you to know that. He was stripped and defeated to the point. I mean, when they would make a show openly, that was again a Roman, this is a Roman military term. They would literally, the commander of the fallen army and all of his officers and all of his army, the commander and would be brought forth and the commander of the conquering army, the Roman army, would come out and they would make a show of this commander openly. You used to be free, but now you're slaves to us. And they would start ripping off the medals, ripping off the uniform until the man was naked. Stripped humiliated in front of all listen the angels the fallen angels all the demons all the principalities powers rulers of the darkness of this world spiritual wickedness in high places all of them every demon knows that they've been destroyed he made a show of them openly wow so now romans chapter 6 verse 18 says this Romans 6.18, being then made free from sin, you became servant, the servants of righteousness. Again, Romans 6.22, being made free from sin and become servants of God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. You've been made free from sin. Romans 8, 2, for the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus again has made me free from the law of sin and death. I haven't been set free. I'm made free. It's who I am in him. The law that brought me into salvation makes me free from the law of sin and death. No condemnation now. Why? Because the Holy Spirit dwells in me. Wow, I love that. 1 John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's why the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's an inward strengthening that now creates a confidence in you that you, you have within you the greater one than you'll ever, you'll never face anything that could compare to him. And that gives you the confidence to step out as the spirit of God leads you into these outward empowerments. Everything about you is supernatural. And that's why we'll close with this scripture. In Galatians 5.1, it says, stand fast. In the Greek language, it would read like this, stand fixed. Therefore, in the liberty or in the freedom wherewith Christ hath again made us free and be not entangled again with this yoke of bondage. We're to stand fast in this stuff. You have been made free. You always have the victory. That means are you ever to lose? No. In every arena of your life, mentally, physically, spiritually, ministry, relationally, every area, that is good news. We call that the gospel. Amen?